Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Fizz Radio come to you this Saturday morning on the score 1260. Tyler Rocky here with you. I've got you for the whole hour here on the Voice of the Central New York Sports Fan Jam Pack Show today. We've got Kevin Belby, the GM of Bayheim's Army. I'm going to take part of my interview on the Fizzcast with him. We'll have that for you coming up later on in the hour. A couple of rule changes in college football. I'll tell you what you need to know and how it impacts Syracuse. Also, SU football getting a new recruit. I'll tell you who that is coming up in just a little bit. And as always, we'll close up shop with Fizz Feedback. But first, be sure to follow us online. OrangeFizz.net for all of our written content. Then we're on Twitter at OrangeFizz, Facebook OrangeFizz, and subscribe to us on iTunes and drop a five-star rating, OrangeFizz. You'll get all the latest Fizz Radio episodes like this one and also the FizzCast. Again, like I said, I just had the full conversation with Kevin Belby. You want the full thing? You'll get that there by subscribing to us on iTunes. So, Let's start off with some new rules going on in college football. So the NCAA came up with a new slate of rules for the upcoming season, and these are important ones. These are actually pretty interesting as well. So previously, for a redshirt year, you would either have to not play in a snap the entire season or were sidelined by injury before playing in a total of four games. That's how you got your, and that was usually a medical redshirt that you'd have to get granted by the NCAA. Now the new rule is you can play enough to four games. We don't care how you do it. Four games. And to me, that seems a little much. That seems like a lot to me. Four games? When you look at a, at a schedule, four games, that we're talking a third of the schedule there, and you're still eligible for your redshirt. Seems a little excessive, especially in such a small sample size schedule like college football, just 12 games, and maybe you're lucky you get a 13th. But again, that few and far between, about half the teams in in the nation get into a bowl game. I think you should base this more on snaps, and I think the fair number would be 200. So I, I did some of the research. You fall right in the middle at about 65 snaps per offensive snaps per game. So that you figure that's about the same on the other side as well. Again, of course, it depends team to team. But 65 snaps a game. And you figure in a season, okay, you probably play one FCS opponent. And then you play one cupcake D1 team, FBS opponent. And then there's probably one or two games throughout the season where you're going to get blowout by a conference opponent. I mean, that's just the nature of college football. That's how it goes. So the way I see it, 200 snaps. Now, again, this hurts certain teams. And in fact, Syracuse is probably a team that gets hurt by the 200 snaps as opposed to the four games. Because with 200 snaps, again, Syracuse led the nation in plays last year, almost 90 a game. So that gives you about two games. Two and some change. Meanwhile, a team like Rutgers, who's not very good offensively, or a team like Army, who's going to run the ball a lot and just drain the clock that way, they're going to have a lot fewer snaps, and they're benefited that, and maybe you can squeeze it out to four or five games. But again, it comes with your offensive scheme. But I think snaps is the, is the safe way to do it. I mean, I think back to the pit game that Syracuse played, 
and this was actually on the Pittsburgh side, but I remember Max Brown, he goes down with an injury, so you got to bring someone in, and I can't remember the back of name. I want to say his name was Kenny Pickett. He gets hurt, or he doesn't get hurt, rather. His helmet comes off for a play, and boom, you got to throw one guy in for one snap. There goes your redshirt season. Now, that wasn't the case. It didn't burn this kid's redshirt season, but it potentially could have. He did see action later on in the year because he was needed, but if you burn a kid's redshirt season because he has to play one snap because the helmet comes off and the guy can't come back in and you've got to burn a timeout in a three-point game, that just doesn't seem fair to me. You shouldn't dictate the future of a kid based on one snap and, and one funky rule. That's why I think 200 snaps per kid is the, is the right way to go with this. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Rocky talking some rule changes in college football with you here on the voice of the Central New York sports fan. I'll get to a little bit of Syracuse football recruiting. That's coming up in just a little bit. But And another reason why I say 200 is the golden number for college football players getting their redshirt eligibility and maintaining redshirt eligibility. Also, and this goes back to the schedule thing. So I mentioned you play one FCS opponent, one probably low-level FBS opponent, and then you probably get blown out in a conference game. And I, this is an exception to the top 25 teams and some of the, the fringe top 25 teams, even though they still can get blown out by an, a conference opponent or something of that nature. But they're not going to be playing the full 65 or so offensive snaps a game. So you give them like... They probably play like the final 15 or so in a blowout. Just so you're not risking injury on some of these high-level players. Like, you don't want to be going out there and having a guy like Eric Dungy, who's already injury-prone to start off with, and have him go out there and potentially risk injury at the end of a game because, and we're talking last season, but you don't want to do that and risk potentially burning Tommy DeVito's redshirt. Now, granted, Syracuse had a lot of options at quarterback last year. Say Zach Mahoney had his helmet pop off, you could throw Rex Culpepper in there. But I think that when you look at the grand scheme of things, it's just going to benefit these guys who have redshirt potential, but you throw them in there for a snap or a couple of snaps even just to see what they got. Because a guy like Tommy DeVito last year should have been allowed to play. I don't think there's any doubt amongst the Syracuse contingent, even though we haven't seen him actually play a snap. But he was probably the second-best quarterback on the roster last year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So the way I see it is that Syracuse, this will help them because we frequently see guys like a Tommy DeVito and another one that got brought up was Ifiadu Melanfanwu, a guy who was probably good enough to see the field last year, especially if you're playing in a blowout type game. Now, granted, Syracuse didn't play in a lot of those last year, aside from maybe the first game or two and then that Louisville game at the end of the year. But there's going to be different times throughout the course of the next couple of years where you might find yourself in a blowout situation or you might find yourself on the other side of the blowout as well. Syracuse, give it a couple of years and they could be the ones giving the, the 45 to 3 beatdowns on other teams. And then you're really going to want to throw those red shirts in because you don't want some scrappy fourth stringer on the other side at Roast Beef Tech knocking out the knees of a potential starter, maybe an all-ACC type player. So that's my rationale. 200, that's my golden number. That's why I think 
that college football is getting it wrong. Four games is a lot. It's a lot. And, and four games can mean four snaps, too. So I think there's a lot of flaws. I think it should be down to plays, snaps, whatever you want to call it. That's the way college football should be judging their red shirts. All right, coming up, Syracuse football getting busy on the recruiting trail. I'll tell you who's coming to the Cuse in 2019. You're listening to Fizz Radio. We're back, Fizz Radio, on the score, 1260. Tyler Anki here till 10 o'clock with you on the voice of the Central New York sports fan. Just wrapped up a little bit about the new NCAA rules about red shirts and and how all that's going to affect Syracuse. Again, four games is what they're giving these guys for red shirt years. I think you should be going more on a snaps basis instead of a games, but we'll see. Maybe that's a a new change coming up in a a little bit, but who knows how that whole thing's going to go down. And if you missed any of that, you want to hear some of my thoughts on that, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. You'll get all the Fizz Radio episodes as well as FizzCast and Part of that FizzCast is actually coming up in the next segment. I'll talk to Kevin Belby, GM of Bayheim's Army, him and the team competing for $2 million in the basketball tournament. That's coming up in the middle of July. You can actually catch that if you're in the New York City area. The Syracuse alumni team, Bayheim's Army, playing at LIU Brooklyn. So go out, support Bayheim's Army. It's a great event, and I'll probably be out there too. So looking forward to all that coming up in later on in the summer. Now... Let's get back to Syracuse football. I talked a little bit about it in the first segment, and I want to get to a little bit more on the recruiting trail right now. SU picking up a defensive tackle in the class of 2019, Joe Rondi out of New Jersey. Only had a couple other of big offers, Cincinnati in there, Rutgers in there, Kent State, another notable one, Temple's all right too, so... Those were his offers. He picked Syracuse, and he's the second verbal commit so far in the class of 2019 alongside Courtney Jackson, who's a receiver. And Rondi, a big guy, 6'4", 265 pounds. Pretty good tackler. Looks like a strong guy based on his film. Again, most of these guys are the biggest, strongest guys on their high school teams, but New Jersey's a different beast. New Jersey is... One of the football recruiting powerhouses, again, we see a lot of, of the top guys that are either from, if they're from the north, they're from New Jersey. You don't see these guys coming from Ohio or Pennsylvania, New York. They're coming from New Jersey. That's where they're breeding these football guys. And you just look last year, one of the Heisman candidates as a freshman, Jonathan Taylor, he was a New Jersey guy. Not saying that Joe Rondi's a, a all, an All-American or a Heisman contender, even though Jonathan Taylor was a three-star recruit coming out of high school. But again, you want to sometimes go to the go to the breeding grounds because maybe they're a three-star by comparison in the New Jersey area. So if you're a three-star in New Jersey, that's like a four or five-star pretty much in most other northern states, I would say. Because, you look, again, this is kind of what Syracuse has done, too, in the past. You go to the places like Florida. We've seen a lot of that out of Dino Babers, and a lot of these guys are overperforming. Look at a guy like Steve Ishmael. He was an All-American last year. Now, he's not one of Dino Babers' guys, but you get the guys from the really good states, like a Florida, and maybe they turn into a Steve Ishmael. So, that's what Syracuse is up to so far this summer on the recruiting trail. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Tyler Rocky here with you until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. 
I want to just kind of lay out maybe some of Syracuse's recruiting plans for the rest of the summer and moving forward. So you got one guy on the defensive line and one guy in the receiving core. Now, you figure you want to pick up some defensive linemen and receivers bit by bit every year. But there's a couple positions that Syracuse is really going to have to start looking for in the coming years. I want to hit on some of those. Now, quarterback, you're set for the next four or five years with Tommy DeVito still having a lot of eligibility. Chance Amy, I think, is going to be a pretty good piece and probably won't play at all this coming season. Maybe he'll get some snaps here or there, but he's not going to fill that four-game requirement for to be ineligible for a red shirt the coming season. So most of the offense, in fact, is going to look pretty good for the next couple of seasons. Look in the backfield. I know that's an area that a lot of Syracuse fans may be concerned with the production of Dante Strickland so far throughout his career. But you've got Abdul Adams coming in in 2019. Again, transfer from Oklahoma, former four-star guy. So he's going to fill that running back void pretty well for the foreseeable future. Again, all, all these positions I'm going to mention, sure, you want to build up one or two each year to just make sure you have some depth on your team and you know, you can't plan for injuries as well. So you want to have that backup plan just in case. But again, Abdul Adams, I think, is a solid piece. And then receivers, I think Syracuse is in a pretty good spot for the foreseeable future as well. Maybe not as much this year. You're going to have a lot of youth, maybe some growing pains. But you've got guys on the outside, like a Cameron Jordan, like a Russell Thompson Bishop. And then in 2019, you're going to have Tristan Jackson, who's just like Adams, former four-star recruit, Michigan State transfer, big guy, played at a power five, and played in a great program as well. So he should certainly help this Orange team down the line at the receiver position. And we've seen Dino Babers. He'll go pick up receivers here or there, get a lot of fast guys in the program, as he's already done with Courtney Jackson, who's going to be a slot guy for this team in the future. So looking pretty good offensively. The one place I would say maybe you fill some spots offensively is on the line. Again, Dakota Davis, you're only going to get one year out of him. He's a grad transfer. And then Cody Conway, you're going to have to fill the hole for him. Later on, he's been an effective guy for Syracuse on the O-line throughout his career. So you're going to need some some help there moving forward. And yeah, you got Kadir White in this last class, four-star guy. One of the He actually was the premier recruit in this class. So you want to keep building upon that and getting those big guys in the trenches that will do the dirty work for you. When you look on the defensive side, I think you're, you're pretty good in certain areas. Again, you always want to build up the depth, but... Defensive line, you look good, you're young, and you've got some transfers with some eligibility moving forward. Defensive backs, you got a lot of young guys, a lot of guys with two years of eligibility remaining. And then it looks like Andre Sisko's having a hell of a spring and summer and has looked really good in the scrimmages. So I would expect him to be a force on this team moving forward. I think he's going to be a pretty good piece for them in the future. But the linebacking core is the one that a lot of people had some questions about and you graduate slash lose all of your starters from last year two of them in the NFL now in Paris Bennett and Zaire Franklin so you're gonna have to fill that void because that's the position that's really been considered a strength for Syracuse these last couple of years now you've got some guys who are gonna get more prominent roles now and I think one of the names to definitely look out for is a guy like Nadarius Fagan he was a three-star guy but Remember, he was getting some looks from Alabama, and when you're getting looks from Nick Saban, you're probably doing something right. I would expect Nadarius Fagan to be a force on this defense in the years to come, so look out for him. 
And then a couple of other of linebackers that could make an impact on this team. I want to see what Lakeem Williams does. Uh, tra- uh, Juco transfer. He's one of the top Juco guys. So you got a couple more years of eligibility. But again, this is the position you're going to need to build up some firepower in in the foreseeable future because that was the unit that when Syracuse was working, it was because of the guidance and the leadership of guys like Zaire Franklin. And hopefully they imparted that wisdom and that leadership capability to some of these younger guys for the time being and then moving forward and then that torch just continually gets passed down from year to year so that's what i got so far for you today on the syracuse recruiting front joe rondi coming to the orange in 2019 hoping to talk to him on the program later on in the summer so we'll hopefully talk to joe in the foreseeable future again three-star defensive tackle out of new jersey Syracuse's second verbal commit in the class of 2019. All right, coming up, I'm going to play my interview with Kevin Belby. The portions of it that you don't hear on Fizz Radio, you can get on the Fizzcast, so be sure to tune into that on both sides. You'll get the full glimpse of that. But Kevin Belby, coming up next, you're listening to Fizz Radio. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki here until 10 o'clock. I'm going to play a conversation I had with Kevin Belby in my full Fizz cast. I just cut out some parts of it. Everything you need to know to kind of break down this Bayheim's Army's team. So without further ado, Kevin Belby. Kevin Belby, the general manager of Bayheim's Army. Kevin, we were just talking a second ago. You're back. This is your second straight year on the Fizz cast. Great to have you back. Just want to, first of all, talk about last year's run. A big win over Team Foe. Huge comeback down 25 with about 12 minutes left. It was such a great game that even Jim Beheim tweeted about it, and I think he's only tweeted like 200 times. What do you remember exactly about that comeback? Yeah, hey man, I appreciate you having me back on the podcast. I mean, I've been uh, reading and you know now listening to some of the the stuff at the Fizz since back when I was a freshman in college. So, appreciate longtime it. fan of, of everything the Fizz has going on. And yeah, last year was uh, was really really special. I mean, twenty uh, the year prior to that, twenty sixteen, we had uh, an early exit in the Sweet Sixteen. So. Last year, I was hoping we could make a deeper run. Obviously, wanted to go all the way, but these tournaments can be so tough. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, it, it looked like we weren't going to make it a, a deep run. We had a, a game in the second round. Um, G- Gale Nation and Iona alumni team, they took us to double overtime. We were up 20 against them and blew the lead. Well, I think forget that. The next game, we had to have another big comeback against Team Fancy. And then in the Elite Eight game, we were down by 25 points with 12 minutes left. And, you know, I'm a pretty optimistic guy, but I just did not think there was a, a chance that we could come back. I, I was hopeful, but, um, you know, I look, I'll look i never forget looking around the huddle and, you know, guys weren't yelling at each other or blaming each other, but they also weren't fired up. And, and you know, in my eyes, I just didn't think that they were – I, I didn't see the spark in their eyes, but honestly, you know, now looking back on it, they were they were calm. So Syracuse is the only ACC program without a baseball team, so you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to compete with that. How does it feel to kind of be the premier SUS sporting event for the entire summer? I'm a hoops guy through and through, and I think that there's a lot of people out there like that, and there's just not that much going on in the summer. You know, I joked yesterday that. 
um, for Syracuse fans, we hold them off between uh, lacrosse uh, slash taste of Syracuse all the way up into the state fair uh, football season. <laughs> you know, we're kind of we're kind of that appetizer in between. And uh, but if you love basketball and if you love Syracuse basketball, I really don't think that there's anything better. I mean, this is like a uh, it's like a fantasy team of former Syracuse guys. And again, you could to to be able to see like a backcourt with John Gillen and Eric Devendorf. Uh, or a front court of Hakeem Warwick and James Sutherland, you know, guys crossing over, bet- honestly, between decades. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a really special thing. Fans ha- have loved it, and uh, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun to, to be a part of. Obviously, we haven't won yet, but it's been rewarding for me. It's been rewarding for the players. Talking with Kevin Belby, GM of Bayheim's Army here on Fizz Radio. Now... Last summer, you guys had to compete with the big three, which is that it's, I guess, the Fox version, and it's a three-on-three tournament. There's some wacky rules. Ice Cube runs the whole joint. Um, How did you kind of see TBT stack up with that? Yeah, I mean, for me, again, I'm a a diehard basketball fan, and I was excited at first about the big three, but, you know, candidly, if you watch it, it's it's not a high-level version of basketball you know it's guys that are out of shape that are um you know trying to relive their glory days tbt is kind of the opposite it's i think outside of the nba the highest level basketball that that you can watch and you know there's real stakes on the line for big three a lot of these guys are are millionaires and they're just you know playing together just to to get the old guys together and just to mess around but for tbt i mean they're they're throwing two million dollars in the middle of the court and just seeing who wants it the most so that's why we're playing so hard to come back from 25 down. I mean, that's life-changing money. So it's it's like uh, it's kind of like a reality show and basketball competition all, all rolled into one. Um, so again, I, I thought the big three was an interesting concept, but and you know, and maybe you can watch it once and be a little entertained. But eventually, for me, it got a little boring because. Allen Iverson's not the same Allen Iverson that he used to be as much as you want Absolutely him to. Absolutely not. Uh, thankfully for us, Eric Devendorf is the same old Eric Devendorf, you know, and guys like that right. um, are still playing at a crazy, crazy high level. So just from a, uh, a basketball standpoint, I, I don't think that there's any comparison. All right, so you mentioned you start this whole thing in 2015, and – Ever since then, what are some of the behind-the-scenes efforts that get this whole thing to click? Yeah, I mean, um, a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work, a lot of, uh, a lot of probably interesting, funny stories. You know, the, I've said this before, but the whole reason this really got started was uh, Hakeem Work was a big, big factor. He played in that 2014 version of the tournament, and you know, he was the first guy I got in touch with, and I said, "Hey, would you be interested in playing for a Syracuse alumni team?" His agent had kind of just put him on a team. He played with Marshall Henderson and some other random guys, and um, you know they didn't really they didn't really advance far. They didn't practice. I think they only had one sub. So he was definitely immediately intrigued by the possibility of playing with former friends, you know, with, with current friends, former teammates, having a little bit more structure. So after getting Hakeem on, it, it was kind of easy to uh, to go from there uh, to, to build build a team around one of the biggest names in Syracuse history, national champ, 10-year guy in the NBA. So, you know, after that, um, think things kind of kind of rolled on. And, uh, you know, even a guy like Chris Joseph, who this is going to be his first year playing with us, but he's watched the tournament the last couple of years on ESPN and, 
last year after we lost, he texted me pretty much the same day and said, save me number 32 for next summer. So it's got a little easier to recruit in that aspect because to your point earlier, the tournament's growing and growing and getting more and more uh, notoriety, you know, not notoriety, but more and more uh, attention and fame. So, uh, yeah, that, that's helped a lot in my recruiting efforts. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, you can just see in the court there's so much, uh, so much chemistry between these guys, old friendships and old teammates getting back together. You can't beat it. Bayheim's Army GM Kevin Belby joining us here on Fizz Radio this morning. Now, looking at your coach, Ryan Blackwell, coming off a state championship in New York, also USA Today Coach of the Year. How does he transition from coaching kids who maybe just play basketball for the sake of playing a sport to coaching guys where basketball's a job? You bring up a good point. I think it's uh, it takes a unique individual to be able to do that because it's a totally different, you know, you're dealing with a totally different group of, of guys. I think in in our respect with Bayheim's Army, he just brings automatic credibility. You know, he, he's not, for me, it was important to have somebody who was a part of the fabric of Syracuse basketball and, you know, and not just bring somebody from the outside that the guys didn't trust. Um, he, he's a player's coach, but at the same time, they totally respect him uh, and respect his authority. They don't question his decisions uh, or substitutions, even though he's only a couple of years older than these guys, honestly. Um, and probably he wishes he could sub himself in but i make sure I, you know i don't let him do that but are you uh, allowed to do that uh, you know Player coaches? I, I think i think if, I, I think you can actually and i think it's it's actually been done before lawrence moton was our coach uh in 2015 <laughs> he subbed himself in at the end of a blowout and he, he made a nice jumper so it's been it's been done uh but yeah I, you know i don't think enough can be said about ryan he's really a rising star in the coaching business in general and i think his track record is starting to speak for himself taking us to a final four you know nobody expected liverpool basketball to be undefeated this year but you know he led them to a great uh, a great season a great playoff run um you know i, I hope that Bayheim's army is around for a long time but I, I honestly don't know how much longer blackwell will be coaching us because i think that he'll have uh, some really great options going forward whether it's coaching in college or you know he actually in the past, he, he played in Japan and then coached in Japan. So I think right. people forget that too, that he's, he's been a, a professional coach. But I think he's got, he'll definitely get uh, some college looks sooner rather than later. Um, but you know, for now, we're, we're very lucky to have him, what we do. Now, let's take a look at the team, the roster process. How do you go about picking these guys? It's a good question. I mean, the first year, 2015, it was, it was just, it was almost whoever would say, yes, uh, you're in. Uh, and as time has gone on, more guys want to be a part of it where, you know, I've, I've actually had to say no to some guys. Um, so it's, it's become tougher. Um, it's, it's not just about getting nine guys who say yes. Now it's about getting, you know, the right nine or so guys, guys who are committed to each other, committed to, you know, to come up to Syracuse for a week of practice. Last year we practiced on the Fourth of July. You know that's not it's not easy to, oh. <laughs> to be away from your family and be up in Syracuse on the Fourth Fourth of July. Um, so you know we want guys that believe in the tournament, believe in each other, willing to give up the time, and who are still active. You know that's a big part of it too. Uh, I want guys, and we want guys who are playing throughout the year. You know overseas, high level, and are still in good shape. It's very hard in the TBT to quote unquote come off the couch 
and um, you know come off of a of a desk job and just play in this thing. Uh, it is no joke. You know, you've seen it in person. The competition level is just it's just too high. Um, and every year it, it gets better and better. Who are some of the first-time guys you're excited for? I'm really excited about Chris Joseph. You know, I went to school at the same time that Chris did. He was a year older than me. And I just always thought that he was one of the most talented players in the country. And, um, you know, his senior year didn't put up crazy stats, but he was playing on, you know, such a well-rounded, dynamic team. And he was that team that, you know, we were 34-3 and and an Elite Eight team and um, probably a national championship team without, you know, if Fab Mello would have played. And um, he's just somebody that can light it up. He's somebody that if the if you're down by a bucket with a minute left, you feel comfortable giving him the ball and making a play. You know, I remember specifically his senior year, he had a huge three either um, at the end of regulation or in overtime against Georgetown at home. Um, you know, with 35,000 people there to, to win the game on, on ESPN in the last game of the year, something like that. So he's always taken big shots and made big shots. He's still got that high-level scoring ability. And it's important to have guys in the tournament who, who who can put the ball in the basket. So, you know, he's one new guy I'm excited about. Is there anyone who you tried to get that you wish said yes and were on this roster? Good question. Um, you know, I think that uh, it would it'd be great to have, um, you know, like a Rakeem Christmas or an Arenze Anawaku on the squad. You know, they're probably the two most dominant offensive big men in the last 10 years that went to Syracuse. You know, fortunately for them, they've had great pro careers and they've, they've got a lot of options. So, you know, Rakeem had been playing in the NBA and, you know, this year he's playing in China over the summer. So mm-hmm. it's hard to hard to turn that down. You know, that's guaranteed money and you know, well into the six figures. China pays very well. And same for Renze, he's playing in the Philippines. But those are two guys that I think uh, would fit in from a personality standpoint. You know, we from a, uh, a positional standpoint, we've got a lot of wings and guards. Um, you know, wouldn't hurt to have uh, another big guy and somebody that, you know, you put him on the block, give the ball to, and it's, it's an automatic basket. That's um, really how both of those guys were their senior year at Syracuse and, and I know are still doing professionally. And have you ever talked to Bayheim about maybe he points out a guy, hey, look after this guy, maybe get him on the team? Yeah, here and there. Um, sometimes it comes through Eric Devendorf because he's up there. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm down here in New York City, but Eric's on the staff now up in Syracuse and Eric will always kind of fill him in on, on who we've added and um, – Bayheim will always give his two cents, um, but he's been <laughs> good very or bad. involved. In it. Yeah, good or bad. <laughs> you know, but no, he's been very involved. Uh, he texts me after uh, after every game, and um, especially all the all the big crazy games. Like to your point earlier, it was pretty cool when he tweeted about us after that big run. Carmelo Anthony tweeted too after that big comeback. Um, you know, so we're getting more and more attention. But he's been a he's been a big supporter of us, and you know this. Bam's Army, the, the whole name just came from us wanting to kind of honor him and his legacy and recognizing the fact that none of us, you know, myself or the, the players and even more so those guys, would be in the position they're in professionally or personally without the opportunity to play at Syracuse, without learning from a Hall of Famer. So, um, you know, it, it's our chance to kind of say thank you to him for, uh, for changing uh, all of our lives.
Talking the tournament here with Kevin Belby, GM of Bayheim's Army. Now, when you look at guys on the current Syracuse roster, who are some players that you think would make a great add to this team in the next couple of years? Hmm, good question. You know, it's tough because hopefully these guys don't play for us because hopefully they're in the NBA, you know, and mm -hmm. um, have a nice, nice uh, long NBA career. But, you know, I, I think obviously uh, an easy answer is Tyus Battle just because this can be a very guard-oriented tournament and all the games tend to be so close. Part of that is because of the competitive nature. Part of it is TBT that the games are actually a little bit shorter. They're 36 minutes, so it's harder to, to separate uh, with less time even if a team's of a lesser quality than you. So, you know, when team, when games are tight like that, you need guys who are going to make big baskets. I mean, we have some of them. We've got Trish. We've got Devendorf. We've got James Sutherland. Um, hopefully, you know, Chris becomes one of those go-to guys. Gillen, uh, you know, the, the Duke game winner speaks for itself. Matthias is, is also one of those guys. I mean, I feel like he's got 20 big moments in just two years of playing up at Syracuse. Feels like he's been there forever already. Um, so he'd be a guy that, you know, this summer I, I'd already be comfortable, at, you know, nights, whatever he is, 20 years old, giving him the ball and end the game situation because he's proven it time and time again. He's uh, he's exciting. You know, O'Shea and Frank, you know, can't count those guys out. They're so, just so talented, bring so much to the table um, and play so hard. You know, the whole team, I think, in the past year has played so hard. That's why they made it so far in the tournament. You don't see a lot of size in TBT like like you get in Pascal, so he'd be, <laughs> right. uh, he'd, he'd be intriguing too. You know, it's a lot of forwards and guards, and um, can't really teach, as they say, you can't teach height. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so I noticed you you didn't bring up your brother. <laughs> is that right, is that Sean a little jab? Belly. He's gonna he'll probably be mad if he listens to this. Uh, he'll be a senior. Uh, point guard uh this this year he's looking forward to, to a big year you know i'm very happy tyus is, is you know honestly he's one of his best friends they're both from jersey so i'm excited for sean that the team will be very competitive this year you know bringing back all five starters adding a couple of new freshmen and a transfer um i think that they'll have a, a really big year and, and sean's looking forward to it you know his freshman year they went to the final four in 2016 mm -hmm. in houston and i said to him you know, you better enjoy this. This doesn't happen every year. And he said, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, the next year, obviously, the team goes to the NIT. And he was like, oh, you were right. He's like, I don't think I could take one more year of the NIT. So, thankfully, he didn't have to worry about that last year and uh, shouldn't have to worry about it this year either. Anything else I missed? Anything else you want to talk about, Bayheim's Army-wise? <sighs> yes. July 21st, Brooklyn. Be there, be square. All right. We're playing at LIU, LI, Brooklyn, and, uh, you know, if you're anywhere in the area or even if you want to make a, a New York City trip up, you know, down from Syracuse, it's such a fun environment, such a fun atmosphere, and, again, there, there's not too much going on this summer. Um, you really can't beat your, your favorite former Syracuse players all playing together um, one more time. Is there, like, some post-game gathering, too, or something where the alums all meet up? Yeah, you know, it's tougher – to have access to the, the current Syracuse team when there's 30,000 people there, right. you know, you're not going to be able to get a selfie with Tyus Battle after the game. It's just logistically not possible. But we, we try really hard for any fan who comes out to be able to have access to the team and autographs and pictures. We'll do meet and greets after the game, after we win. We'll do um, 
we've done meet and greets, you know, a day in between games at the dinosaur barbecue here in Brooklyn. We did it at the dinosaur barbecue in Baltimore at the final four there. So keeping kind of the Syracuse uh, theme at, at dino. Um, so again, we just try to make it, make it about the fans. We appreciate them coming out in the middle of the summer. So pictures, autographs, you know, all that stuff. We try to uh, accommodate it as much as we can. All right, Kevin Belby, GM of Bayheim's Army. Thanks so much for joining us. Go Orange. And if you want the full conversation with me and Kevin, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and check out the podcast on the FizzCast. You can get all that conversation and more. All right, coming up, Fizz Feedback. You're listening to The Score 1260. Putting a bow on things here on Fizz Radio, Tyler Aki here running up against the clock, and we just finished up our conversation with Kevin Belby. You want the full thing, go to Orange Fizz's iTunes account and subscribe to us. You'll get the latest FizzCast, including that one. You'll get our full conversation with Kevin Belby, about 40 minutes talking about Bayheim's Army and the growth of that program over these last couple of years. He's done a, a magnificent job growing that and, and turning Bayheim's Army really into a contender year to year. So great stuff and great work by Kevin Belby. All right, let's get to some Fizz feedback questions for you before we close out the show. First one, I'll start with the Bayheim's Army one that I put out there. How far will the team make it in the tournament? Again, playing for $2 million. And like Kevin said, a, a good chunk of that is actually going to be donated to the Jim and Julie Bayheim Foundation. Threw out four options for you. Championship, Final Four, Elite Eight slash Sweet 16, and Early Exit. The leader in the clubhouse is the championship, and again, this is a team coming off a Final Four run. You add some big pieces, especially some guys with with NBA experience, a Chris Joseph that you put on the team, so it'll be interesting. Again, I think the stakes are a little bit higher this year. I think I just read somewhere, actually, that Jimmer Fredette is going to be playing in TBT, and like Kevin said, guard play is so essential in the basketball tournament and Jimmer Fredette I think is someone that we may see put up like a, a 35 40 point game because we know what he can do shooting the basketball and I think Eddie Curry I mean say what you want about his NBA career but he was a longtime vet in the league and I believe he's playing in TBT trying to resurrect his NBA career so uh, the, the stakes have definitely gotten bigger and, and you're gonna see some of these guys who are really going out there and trying to play and and work their way back into the league. So that's what's going on in the basketball tournament. A lot of optimism. Championship at 47%, Final Four 29%, Elite Eight slash Sweet 16 and 18%, and then an early exit at 6%. So looking good if Fizz Nation is any prognosticator of Bayheim's Army's success. Next up, what positions should Syracuse football focus on in recruiting this summer? Secondary, leading the way at 44%. That's followed closely by both linebacker and wide receiver at 25% apiece and then other at 6%. I'm going to disagree with that one. I think linebacker, as I said in the previous segment, is the way to go if you're Syracuse and Dino Babers this offseason because a lot of unknowns there. Meanwhile, the secondary, I think, has got some really good pieces. They looked really good at times last year. You can point whatever to the poor play against teams like Louisville and against teams like Wake Forest. But you're not going to see a Lamar Jackson in the ACC this year. You're just not. Wake Forest is not going to do that to you again. That that was a, a more on the offense, I would say, than the defense that just absolutely halted after the first half. So I'm going to pin 
linebacker as the biggest need. I don't think wide receiver is that big of a need either, but I think, if anything, offensive line may be the biggest offensive need, and linebacker on the defensive side definitely the biggest need in my opinion. All right, that's all the time I got for you here on Fizz Radio. Be sure to follow us everywhere, online, orangefizz.net. You'll get all the latest and greatest articles from us here at Orange Fizz. And then be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Orange Fizz, Facebook, Orange Fizz. And then be sure to subscribe to us, as always, on iTunes and SoundCloud, Orange Fizz. You'll get all of our Fizzcast full-length interviews. We're going to try to set up some great stuff throughout the summer. We'll have more Bayheim's Army and fun stuff like that for you throughout the summer. All right, I'm Tyler Aki. That's going to do it for us here on Fizz Radio. We'll see you next week. 